for joining our podcast, Clear Your Messages. I'm Wendy Perlin. My co-host, Tanya Heller, and I have the honor of interviewing compelling guests to discuss topics related to effective communication and leadership. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Naomi Bank, an attorney. Naomi is a lawyer specializing in criminal defense litigation at the state court level. What began as a three-year commitment to obtain litigation experience as an assistant public defender in the Cook County Public Defender's Office in Chicago turned into a 30-year career. Her daily mission was to protect the fundamental rights and liberties of the criminally accused who couldn't afford to hire an attorney. Upon her retirement from the Cook County Public Defender's Office, she entered private practice in Chicago with her husband. Naomi has represented thousands of clients in felony criminal cases, ranging from drug possession to murder throughout Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. She has litigated hundreds of pretrial motions and trials before a judge or jury, and in the process, mentored many students, including law students, who were interested in criminal law. Naomi attended both the University of Michigan and Michigan State University, for her undergraduate studies with a major in political science and earned her law degree from Chicago Kent College of Law. Thank you, Naomi, for joining us. Thank you, Wendy, for inviting me. I'm so excited to talk with you. I'm sure you didn't anticipate staying 30 years in your job, but what was it after that three-year commitment that said, I really want to stay here? I think it was such an a different experience from what I, how I grew up. My career began in the public defender's office, actually in the civil division, representing uh, parents accused of abuse or neglect of their children. And uh, in many of the situations, probably in most of the situations, I was younger than my clients. And I was just wondering what they think of me giving advice about how to raise children when I had none of my own and, you know, was much younger than that. So it was, a, it was a rude awakening to the unfortunate aspects of life, poverty, limited resources, uh, not necessarily having support from family members, uh, using family members to raise your child and you kind of going off on your own. And then, of course, um, some components of abuse. I lasted in that position for nine months. I mean, that's as long as I needed to be in that position. And they moved me over to the delinquency side. But I fell in love with the idea of helping people that grew up less privileged than me and um, hopefully being a role model uh, to others, whether they be the juvenile um, clients that I had, their parents, and bring some hope to what was otherwise a very, very, very difficult and dismal existence. Um, and I, it wasn't about making money. It was about service. And um, I stuck around, I think, longer than expected. I didn't, wasn't necessarily thinking 30 years then. I said, oh, maybe five or 10. And once you get there and you're there, you're and I met wonderful people and it was great environment. Uh, it was also a wonderful work-life balance for me. I was hoping to have a family of my, myself and did not want to spend hours upon hours upon hours in the private practice 
office. Um, so it was both the combination of the people that I was representing, them needing me, and the people that I was working with in a very collaborative environment. What did you learn most from your clients? Like what what lessons did they teach you? To be grateful for what you have. And, uh, you know, every day I came home just grateful that I was living a life with a roof over my head, water, you know, the basic necessities of life. I didn't have to scramble around for. Um, I also learned a little bit of humility and, um, you know, how to talk. Most importantly is to how to speak to a wide variety of people that are different from yourself and trying to connect. How do you reach a connection? How do you, how do you uh, build a conversation and hopefully inspire somebody to uh, move on with their life, even when they have to face adversity. So I kind of learned, and I learned from that about their adversity is, but I have to be honest with you at times, it scared me that, you know, could this happen to me? Could I fall into this homelessness and things along those lines that just didn't seem at all possible? Um, And then what kind of future would my child be having? And, you know, being aware of crime and other sorts of tragedies that's are that we were surrounded by. So I kind of learned about the different form different type of life. Right. And then how did you communicate with you said you were working with a wide variety of individuals? What did you find that was effective to communicate with somebody who is in a situation? where they're so scared and there's no, it it seems to them that there's no hope. How do you help them through that process? Well, the, you know, when I meet people, they were in various different stages. Some were angry, scared, but very angry and, you know, very distrustful of, let's say a public defender, public defender's office that we're working with the state or with the judge and we're really not looking out for them. So the first thing is, of course, is building trust. And that's to speak with people respectfully. And I never presumed that I could call somebody by their first name. I always address them as a Mr. or Ms. or something. And, um, you know, tried to calm them down, made sure that when I was informing them of the core process and the allegations and against them, that these aren't my allegations against them. This is what somebody else is saying. And I'm here to help you navigate through this process. Um, The other thing is sometimes I let them talk, even though I was rushing. I mean, we were under tremendous time constraint. Some people needed to have their voices heard. Not so much here for me right away, but me uh, let them speak their minds and then interject when it was appropriate. So let them vent. Uh, So that was initially my approach. If they were one of these people that were scared, you just, you know, listen, you have to calm down. It's going to be okay. Sometimes it was a status date. Nothing is going to happen today. You don't have to worry about if you're being taken into custody, you're going to be going home. So, you know, it depended why they were in court for that particular day, but you try to bring, put your best foot forward and just calm them down. So that's, that's how I address it all usually. 
What I find such a common theme in the people that we've interviewed is establishing trust, no matter what situation you're in, and then letting someone, you know, make sure that they can talk and our job is to listen. And so that theme has really, you know, we keep hearing that Tanya and I keep hearing that is so important when you are working in any situation. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, it's the client thinks that they have something very important to share with you that's earth shattering, that's crucial and let them have their voice. And then it's not going to harm you if it's not necessarily so important. Okay. It's not so important, but it was important for them to be heard representing the disadvantaged. They feel like they've never been heard. They're being shoved around and trampled on. Um, and that's the, the last thing I want to do is be the lawyer that tramples on them. So, you know, I try to make time to sit and listen. And then I apologize if unfortunately, this is just a short little introduction, we'll have another time to speak over the phone or something like that. Or I, you know, come visit me in my office, whatever works for you. And I'd have to say, I, I mean, I've represented a lot of people. Some people I have had my disagreements, were, but by and large, I've gotten along with a lot of clients. They just need to know you're rooting for them. I think more than more than more than they're concerned about, like what your your degree is in or how well did you do in school or what your previous experience, you know, are you treating them with kindness? And that means the world to them. Thank you for sharing that. It's so important. So now I'm going to flip it and ask you, how do you have a conversation with someone that you completely disagree with and that you are never going to agree with because it's, you know, it's the opposing side, the side that wants to convict your, you know, convict your client, you're defending the client. What do you do in those situations when you, when the goal is not to come to an agreement? Well, that's what trials are made of. And, um, you know, my discussions with prosecutors are hopefully, you know, well prepared. I make my pitch and let's back it up a little bit. There are some cases that I knew from the get go, we there were no never going to be any plea negotiations. The state wasn't going to dismiss something. And my client wasn't going to settle for anything less less than a not guilty. We just prepare and go on. And it's not, it, it's my experience in the criminal court system wasn't this headbutting all the time. Um, I viewed that as more of an issue in civil court. Uh, but the public defenders and the prosecutors are in the same courtroom working with each other, you know, day after day. You have to be at the least, at least cordial to each other. Otherwise, it's a toxic environment. While we may have different missions, you treat the opposing counsel with respect. I feel that I've been treated with respect and they know that I'm serious. I can be nice, but I can also be prepared and ready to go to work. And that's just, just do it. You put it on and let somebody else decide it. It's a judge or a jury. Hopefully, my side wins, but that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. So that's, you just kind of have to plug away and be ready for work. So for a non-attorney as myself, is it like television or absolutely nothing like television? I don't think it's like television. I mean, 
the way that evidence is presented is much looser uh, than in, in the real court system. Uh, I wish I could come up with some opening statements or closing arguments that were as as artfully prepared as what you would see on uh, Law and Order or I don't even know, uh, L.A. Law, I think, was a show I used to watch a long time ago. Uh, it's It can be just as suspenseful because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, it's it's probably far more unpredictable in real life than it is on television. But I would have to say I've had a good relationships with most of the prosecutors that I've uh, saying worked with may sound kind of weird, but in the same courtrooms I've been with, um, mm-hmm. I think I've garnered their respect and I, and they've earned my respect more often than not. So. Thank you for sharing that. So this is the part of the interview where I ask you some rapid fire questions. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, this is going to get back to something we talked about, and this was in law school. And I had a professor, and he was always emphasizing our listening skills. That you, you know, as a as a litigator, there's so much to listen to, because you've got information coming at you in all different ways. You've got your client who sometimes is whispering in your ear or jabbing you as a trial is going on, and listening to the witness and having the judge chime in and, and an objection going on by a prosecutor, you just have to listen and react. So I think listening skills are exceptionally important uh, to lawyers. You've got your clients, you have to establish trust. And uh, I think the client gets the first word in it and you just kind of respond to what they have to say. What was your best class in law school? Best or favorite? Best. Get, I'll take both. I'll take best and favorite. <laughs> you know, Wendy, you're, you're, I can't even remember. I'm not even sure. I liked an entertainment class that I took entertainment law. Okay. You've far uh, from entertainment law, but <laughs> no, but I had high aspirations and, uh, you know, a torts class that I took, which is the, the, professor that talked about her listening skills. He always made it entertaining. It was exceptionally stressful. It was the first class I had in the morning, mm-hmm. but I do have to say it was enjoyable, all the back and forth, the Socratic method that was implemented in class. What was the worst advice you've ever received? Well, um, I there were two career paths that I really was focusing on quite a bit. One was law and the other one's television news production. And my mother said, not everybody is Barbara Walters, and that's just not practical. And it set the ball in motion for me to focus on more of practical as opposed to just dabble a little bit in your dreams. And so I would say that as much as I loved my mother, she was passed away, but um, you got to encourage if your kid comes to you and says, I have a dream. I want to try this. Let them try. You, you got to learn from your stumbles and from your falls. And it's hard to watch. But I mean, she was an immigrant, a Holocaust survivor, and she just instilled in us profession, profession, profession. And television news production was just too too chaotic for her to accept as a profession. It was also unpredictable and very probably she was thinking of it as it was probably hard to get a job. Yeah, and I did I did do an internship in in uh television production and the show was canceled 
And I saw that all these people were scrambling for jobs, you know, and I thought, you know, I kind of don't want to live that way. Let me do law school. I'm interested in news or, you know, and I think with a law degree, I can, you know, possibly go into that as well. I didn't. And uh, I went into, you know, criminal defense. And it's similar in the sense that I, my focus was on constitutional rights, whether it be First Amendment or something along those lines. In this case, due process, fairness, it worked out well. And it's all public speaking too, Naomi. It is. It is public speaking. <laughs> for and better for us, there's a lot of speaking. A it's lot a of lot speaking. of speaking and it's a lot of the same skills. It is. It is. You try to ingratiate yourself with the public. Um, you know, as my in my career as a public defender, one of the things that I liked was it wasn't uh, a lot of writing. It was more speaking, working at thinking on your feet, a l not sitting, not sitting for too long in any one particular place. So it checked off a number of the boxes for a person that wasn't necessarily looking for a desk job. What do you think the most important skill that an attorney needs to have? It's coming back. You have to listen. You have to, you know, and that's whether it be your divorce attorney or a litigator or a personal injury, you have to, you have to hear your clients. You have to listen to them and tailor, you know, how you're going to be representing them based on their personalities, what their fear, fears are. Um, and you know, listening to them so that they know that they they have a voice through you in court. I think you touch on this a little bit, but if there's anything you could change about your journey, what would you change? Well, I, I needed to take more vacations than I did. And my vacations were pretty much just visiting family and not going out and, and experiencing things, whether it be before I was married, while I was married with my husband and child. I think there's now so much talk about, you know, mental health, mental wellness. Uh, the job for some is not so stressful. For me, it was stressful, but a stress that I, I liked, I wasn't looking to turn away from it, but there are times you need to take a break. Mm -hmm. And I think rather than trying to save my days, vacation days for the future or something like that, and nothing would ever happen. And then I needed to just kind of say, you know what, every so many months, I need to have a week off or so, whatever would be allowed within my schedule. And um, just kind of disconnect from it so that I could relax and not think about it 24-7. That's good advice for everyone to turn it off and make sure that yeah. you're focusing on something else other than work all the time. So uh, what movie or streaming show <laughs> you like to watch? Is there something? Oh, I'm taking you back in time. Well, no, okay. Back Ozark. In time. Well, oh. Ozark was a, some somewhat recently. Um, you know, I. Uh, that was fabulous. I like The Godfather. The oh, my first gosh. Godfather movie. That's that's to me one of the one of the greatest movies, I think, uh, between mafia movies and, you know, crime and punishment. I that helped me, I think, establish them my tolerance for a certain amount of, you know, cruelty in the world. So 
Right. Which so, yeah. you had to see a lot of it in the public defender's office and be able to work, you know, work with that, which not very many people can handle that. No, I, I didn't know. I couldn't necessarily tell you that like long ago that I had the personality for it. I don't know if I had the personality for it or I developed a personality for it. It's certainly not a job for everybody. And I, I really think that you need to go do some soul searching before you go into it. It's not, doesn't have to be a lifetime commitment, but you are dealing for the most part with a very difficult population that are under very stressful conditions and that can make you very stressed out. And if, if you're the type of personality that wants to save the world and takes everything to heart, then maybe it's not the right career for you um, because it could wear you down. And I saw lots of people in the office get worn down and I didn't want that to happen to me. So you have to find a way as much as you're helping people to create a buffer and not internalize everything all the time. Otherwise you're going to get lost. It's just not going to be pretty. What do you do in your free time? Well, you know, it's hard a lot. Of, I think with everybody, it's hard to find time for yourself in a busy work world. I find exercise helps, whatever it is. You're not having to run a marathon. Maybe you just take time to a walk or something, go on a treadmill, something along those lines. I exercise more now that I left the public defender's office, but I feel that moving around helps your mind and clears your mind as well. And then you're refreshed. So that's what I, how I'd like to spend my free time. And then finally, what advice would you give to a new attorney? Uh, a new attorney. Absorb as much as you can. It's got to be a very you know, intimidating situation to walk in, whether you're practicing at a firm. Ask questions and try to identify, if you're working in a large enough organization, try to identify with a person that you think shines and kind of try to see if they'll be your mentor or your sounding board or a person you can go to. Because as they grow in, whether it be the company, the firm, the, you know, government work, maybe they'll take you along with them for the ride. And so I just think uh, if you can find somebody that inspires you and you can bounce some ideas off of, it helps you within the organization. Thank you so much, Naomi Bank, for being with us today. We learned so much about your job and your career. We're very grateful that you are a part of our, our podcast. And I want to say, see you all next time on Clear Your Messages. Thank you for inviting me. Bye-bye.